Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another Get Genius episode. Today, I'm speaking with Carl Gold, and he is a business growth expert. So today, we are focusing on growth hacks, how to double your business, and he's going to give away some really cool strategies on how to do that that actually seem pretty easy to do. So I hope that you take advantage of those. Make sure that you listen through to the end because he is being like way, way, way generous with a free gift something that is worth over $15,000. So you're going to want to make sure that you listen to the end and see how you can get your hands on that. But Carl is a, he's an incredible entrepreneur. He's a mentor and he has built three multi-million dollar businesses all by the age of 40. He's been responsible for the launch of over 5,000 businesses, mentoring those businesses. And he's also trained and certified over 7,000 business coaches in 35 countries. He's written three best-selling books on business strategy and growth. Those are A Blueprint for Success, The Seven Stages of Small Business Success, which we go through some of those stages on the interview, and most recently, Biz Dev Done Right. So we're talking all kinds of of business and growth, how to get through those growing pains. He actually totally educated me on something that was very simple in terms of growth and how to get through those those growing pains where sometimes your team gets overwhelmed, but you're not sure when you need to hire somebody. And all of those questions are, are going to be answered. Um, I'm really excited about the growth hacks that that he shares. And I think that you can, well, I know you can, we talked about this, you can apply it to any industry. Um, one of them I'm just particularly excited about, and I love how he lays things out so simply. Um, a little bit more about Carl is that he's um, regularly appeared on the home improvement reality TV show, This How To, This House Two, and each week he co-hosts Quick and Get Rich, which is on the iHeartRadio, and he is the MC for EO Nerve and facilitator of Breakthrough the Barriers and the Firewalk Experience. Um, Carl's just pretty... Awesome. He gives so many good tips, including what he does on a daily basis that contributes to the great wins in his life and how he maps it all out and makes sure that he is on track with all of those goals. So if you're anything like me and you love goal setting and little exercises that you can do every single day to get you to achieve those goals, then you will love Carl. So I'm super excited for you to listen to the interview and we will have links to everything everywhere. Make sure you go to his website, make sure you get that free gift. Enjoy. Hello, Carl, and thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk to you about so many different things. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Summer. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Awesome. So um, you've had quite a history just by the age of 40. You've done um, what a lot wish they could do just in one lifetime. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so... I'm I'm curious as to when, you know, what was your very first business? What started you as as an entrepreneur? And what was that journey that led you to where you are today? Well, my very first, you know, it's uh, my very first business was a landscaping company, but I I distinctly remember, you know, when I was 16 years old, my uh, boss at the time says to me, Hey Carl, take this in, take this uh, proposal over to this residential uh, landscaping, this residential house that we were doing landscaping on, and um, and he says, yeah, go present that to Mrs. Smith. I'm a bit busy uh, right now, and um, you know, ask her, you know, tell her about all the, the everything in the proposal and see what she wants to do. What I didn't realize was there's a whole bunch of options on there. Like there was there was probably what she asked for. And then there was everything else that he threw on there, hoping she would buy. Right. Yeah. And so, um, and so he, uh, he says to me, go over there, you know, tell her, read her the proposal and ask her which one she wants to do. And, uh, I remember I went over there 
<clears throat> I went down the whole list, explained it. And, and I remember Mrs. Smith had like questions like, well, should I do this piece or should I do that piece or how will that look? And I remember saying, yeah, you definitely should do that. And oh, that'll look great. And uh, yeah, yeah, add, add this on for sure. Well, everyone else does, you know, and so and so she chose to do everything on the proposal. And so I go back to my boss and I walk up and I said, uh, I said, OK, Mrs. Smith, uh, she's moving forward. She signed the agreement. She gave me a deposit check. Um, she's good. And he goes, uh, oh, oh, excellent. Um, which part's she going to do? I said, well, she's going to do all of it. And he said, all of it? Why? She's going to do all of it? I said, yeah, well, that's what you wanted, right? He goes, yeah, I wanted all of it. Because, but I, you know, when I met her, I, um, those were all a whole bunch of options. I said, oh, well, she's doing all of it, right? And, um, and he, was, he couldn't believe it. He's like, how the hell did you get her to do all of it? And I was thinking, I don't know what I did to get her to do all of it. I just, I felt like I just explained it and she went with it. And he was like, oh. And so then for the rest of the summer, he sent me out on every proposal. And because uh, I, I guess I was, I just didn't know that you didn't upsell things or you didn't know, he, I didn't know to, you know, that some of the things were options. And so I just kept saying, um, yeah, well, this is, this is what you should do. And, and I, so I kept upselling the heck out of everything, and he kept sending me out on proposals. And so I started to realize, I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me think this through here. <laughs> He's sending me to do everything, um, and I'm doing all the work, I'm doing all the selling. The only thing I'm not doing is collecting the money. And I thought, you know what, I could probably do this by myself. And and so I did. And so I I I made that I made this my own business, and. Um, I made this my own business, and uh, and when I got out of uh, I got out of my second year in college, I left school because I broke my leg pretty badly, and I had to leave school. Unfortunately, I ran out of cash, and so you know all the grants and scholarships ran out, and so um, I said I need a way to make money, and I said, well, I know how to do landscaping, and so before I called the boss back, I said, wait a minute, he sent me. He sent me on every single proposal, and then he made me do the job. So I was basically in my own business, just not getting paid for it. Right. So I decided to start out on my own. I mean, that's what really made me start it was I figured I'm doing everything anyway. What, what do I need him for? Okay, so I'm guessing from from starting, now you've started, you've kind of thrown yourself into, now I'm going to have my own business. And had you been even outside of that experience, had you even been educated on how to run a business? Not one <laughs> Not at all. I had virtually, I had pretty much no experience, no like, you know, traditional experience or no formal experience. I just, I just knew what I wanted to do. And, and, um, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that it was something I was passionate about. And so I, um, uh, but no, I had no, no training, no formal training whatsoever on running a business. Well, which, so now you're about to get the best training <laughs> ever <laughs> as you, as you begin. Um, no, I think that's, I mean, that it, it's so funny. There's so many people that are in, you know, it's something that they're passionate about. They didn't go to school for or didn't go to school at all. Like you said, something happened, they couldn't finish. And um, entrepreneurs, they they jump into something and then that becomes their, their best education yet because that's where they get to make all of their first, you know, beginner rookie mistakes. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, and I made a ton of those rookie mistakes uh, too. There's no doubt about that. Um and I learned a lot from them, you know, the, um, I, I, I was grateful for it at the time and I made the mistakes when my business was small. So luckily, um, you know, luckily none of them were all that painful, to be honest with you. You know, there were little mistakes here and there, but it wasn't anything, it wasn't anything major. So I want to hear about some of, some of those mistakes and maybe we can go, I mean, I, we know that you've, you've built, you know, a few multi-million dollar businesses. What was that first mm -hmm. business that you built and what were some of the, the lessons that you learned from that? Well, first business that I built was that very landscaping company. Um, that uh, one of the very first lessons I learned, um, and I'm so grateful for it because it's, it's guided me ever since was I remember I went out when I, when I started my first business, I, I went out on my very first, uh, prospecting appointment and I said, okay, here I am. I'm in business now. Let me go out. I'll meet with my very first prospect. And I remember I got the project. And I, I 
remember thinking, wow, this is awesome. I can't believe it. I was the most surprised guy in the room that they said yes, because, you know, it was easier before when I was just doing what my boss told me. But now this is me. It, you know, my name's on the side of the on the side of the truck now. It's not my it's not somebody else. And so I went out and um, I signed my first client. Then I signed my second ever appointment. And then I signed my third ever appointment. And I thought, wow, I must be good at this. I must be talented. I must this must be for me. And um, I remember my father encouraged me to go back to the uh, people that said yes and ask them why they said yes. What was the reason for them? Um, what was the reasoning behind them saying yes uh, and choosing me as a contractor? And so um, all three people basically gave me the same answer. And it wasn't talent, as I thought. You know, I was I thought I was so clever. I knew everything. Um, it wasn't that it was talent and it wasn't that it was um you know, I was this great landscape designer. It was, I was the guy who showed up and met his promise. And, uh, and I thought, really? Like, that, that was it? Like, that's the reason why I won this? And they said, yeah, you were the, you were the guy that showed up. And, um, and so I was a little sad that that was the reason. I thought I had some special talent in this area. Um, but what I realized very quickly was I started to hear the complaints everybody had about uh, contractors. And and I said, um, uh, so I said, uh, OK, I'm going to listen to what's being told, what I'm being told. I'm not going to play around with it. I'm not going to try to change it or change anyone who gave it to me. I'm going to just listen to what I just heard. And so I what I did was I rolled all of the complaints I was hearing into my business plan and then the next year, I came out with a promise and a guarantee where I said, you know, these things that you're all upset about, you're not no callback. There's no guarantee. You know, everything. The budget changes constantly. What is um, uh, budget changes constantly? What is it I can I can, you know, promise? And so I found that people were and I gave an option. I gave like the regular price. And I gave the guarantee that these top five complaints you would never have to deal with if you were my customer. And I found that people were buying the guarantee almost two to one over any other program. And I thought, whoa, why are people choosing to spend a lot more? And I'm just basically doing the job that I promised in the first place. But I was guaranteeing a delivery date. I was guaranteeing a budget. And they were paying a lot more for me to make that guarantee. And so, um, uh, you know, that was a real lesson. And I realized that people will pay a lot more for the intangibles of doing business with me um, as much as they will pay for the utility of the product or the service. So in other words, I was responsive and I was professional and I kept my, pro and, and I kept my promise and, you know, showed up on time and maintained the budget and that was very valuable to them. And I not only found out that I can get paid more for the same service, but what I found out was is that there's a lot of profit margin in those services. Yeah. Well, you really set yourself apart by answering those pain points. That's not so much about what you're selling, but about the comfort that they're going to have, the be, knowing that they can rely on you and trust you because there's so much fear in, in that type of work, you know, of, oh, they're not going to show up or this is going to go wrong. And you know what I mean? And, and it's like, you, you almost feel like you're at their disposal. And now, you know, you've turned that around to say, we are here for you. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, whenever you can actually speak to the emotions of, of a client, they're, they're much more, they're hooked rather than being left with all these questions. Right. And this this was a this was huge because the um, I realized, you know, if I've got people who are quality minded um, customers, which is what I found, then I said, well, if that's what they want, if they really want that quality, then, you know, what can I do with my pricing? And the answer is I can raise my pricing. And so I did. I raised it and I kept raising it until um, I kept raising it until, you know, I've, I've hit a you know, a bit of a ceiling and, um, it was beautiful because I realized I had people who really cared about what I did. They, they thought what I did was valuable and I could, um, I could provide them this great service and they would not only pay the premium, 
they would then refer me to others and they'd brag about it. They'd brag about the fact that they used the top guy in the area and that it wasn't cheap. Like they would say, well, he's not cheap, but he's going to do a really good job for you. And so, um, you know, I found that very gratifying. And I'm like, man, this is I'd, I'd rather do business this way because I, I, I seem to have a whole bunch of people who really want the service and are willing to pay for, you know, all the reasons why we think it's the best service. So I've used this in every company I've ever uh, owned and every company I've ever advised. It's so awesome because so you you've done I mean, and you you coach other other business coaches or you've certified uh, business coaches and you've you've been a mentor to many entrepreneurs and helped launch thousands and thousands of of businesses. What was your how did this come after this business? Is that when you got into that by based on how you've grown this company or was this after a few more businesses that you built? It was after a few more businesses. So I had uh, so a couple things happened happened simultaneously. When I was, um, uh, you know, so when I was um, doing the uh, uh, when I was doing the, the landscaping business, I I doubled that business every year, and then I sold it, and then I started a construction company, um, and and then I had that business for t- twelve years, and then I sold that business. But while I was had my construction and my landscaping company. I remember going to a personal development seminar uh, by Tony Robbins, and um, back in 1991, uh, when no, when very few people had heard of him at that point. Yeah. And um, and so I went through his program and fell in love with the idea of helping people really achieve what they wanted to in life, and that was very gratifying for me. And I decided I wanted to be a professional coach at some point in my life. And so what I did was. Um, I, uh, I I became certified in all these different coaching methodologies. So uh, I started doing coaching for Robbins and Stephen Covey and Ken Blanchard companies and uh, Dale Carnegie companies and using using you know becoming certified in their methodologies and using that as my coaching platform. And so I was doing all that part time all through the '90s. Um, and so when I sold my second business in 2004, I, um, I decided to get into consulting full-time so and coaching. So it really, I did it as a hobby and a passion through the 90s, but I did it as a business in 2000 and starting in 2002. Wow. Okay. So what are, is this when you developed your, your seven stages of a small business? Oh, yeah. So I I did that very early on in my um, and very early on in my career. Actually, when I started out as a coach, there was um, when I started out as a coach, there were no um, there were no systems. There were no um, uh, processes. There was very little like structure the way we have it today. And so I started documenting how I can make an impact with uh, clients very quickly or as quickly as possible. And um, and so the I actually started drawing this up in the in the early 1990s and I've been using it the entire time. I, I wanted to figure out how can I make a how can I make an impact on people right away? And even though I'm young and even though I might not have a, uh, a lot of expertise in in a particular area or a particular um, uh, industry, how can I still make. Um, how can I still make, uh, uh, you know, significant progress with somebody that, you know, I, I don't know or might be more experienced with me? And so my methodology, I started in the early 90s as a way to find that impact. And I combined my entrepreneurial background with um, uh, uh, other personal development um, sciences like neuro linguistics programming, NLP. Right. Um and, and disc, you know, uh, methodology. So I started combining those and I say, well, where can, how can I help somebody find their blind spot and understand where their area of greatest coachability is? And then, and then, you know, be able to help them right away. And so that's, so I wrote that back then and I've just refined it over the years. And then in the, um, in the two thousands, that's when I started training uh, people in, in multiple parts of the world in different areas, different parts of the world, um, on the methodology or parts of it. Okay. 
It's it's so awesome, and I, I'll I'll make sure that we have links to to these books that you've that you've written, um, which is all you know the blueprint for success, seven stages of of small business success, and and others, and we'll have links to all those. Um, but I want to ask you, kind of, and and I'm supposing these are in in your books. But what what do you think, based on you know all of these thousands of companies that you've worked with, all of these um, entrepreneurs, what do you think? business owners need to master in order to be awesome and successful today? Like what's that? What are, is there one thing? Are there many things? Like what is it that they need to be thinking of? Well, it's, it's a really good question because um, there are different skills that are needed at different areas of develop development of your company. So for example, Early on, when you are when you're just getting out of the gate, you need creativity, innovation, persistence, um, and vision. Right? You've right. got to see it. You've got to see it differently and better than everyone else. You've got to say, how can I, how can I disrupt this industry or create a niche, and then dominate that niche? Um, you know, I wrote one of the earliest entrepreneurial mentoring programs. And, you know, so there's a lot of coaching programs out there, but there weren't now there's a lot of mentoring programs, but there weren't back then. And there weren't a lot of mastermind groups. And I wrote what became, you know, generally accepted as the mentoring, uh, you know, structure and um, and mastermind uh, groups. And um, the uh, and, and I just saw the industry different. And so you have to early on when you're first getting out of the block you have to you have to know how you're going to be different and how you're going to be better and how you can be bold and you know bold and provocative in the way that you go to market right then you know you know the skill you need to develop is selling and marketing because you've got this great idea but if no one else hears about it then you know it's going to fall you're going to be in a well whispering as opposed to climbing a tree and screaming it out and so early on, you need to be you need to be very much sales and marketing focused, no matter who you are, no matter what your style is and no matter what business you're in, you have to convince and persuade people to take you on as the expert at your agreed upon price. And and look, in this day and age, if somebody's hiring you, it, you're taking that potential away from another company. Right. And so you um, in most cases, not in all, but in most cases, so you have to be very persuasive. And then, um, and then you know, in, in our book, stages three and four, when you get into building a team and then systematizing, you have to have the skill of coaching, mentoring, guidance, and communication. So you can communicate what you're trying to accomplish, your mission, vision, values, purpose, your mantra, um, what, you're, what you're passionate about to others so they can replicate what you're doing. Uh, so it can't be just about you, you know? Right. Uh, so it really depends. And then as you get, as the company uh, progresses and it becomes more systematized, you're, you're, you'll acquire the skill, you'll acquire the financial skills, the logistic skills, you know, it's going to get a bit more technical as you grow. So as you grow, let's, let's talk about that because you've, you, you've experienced in your businesses double growth each year. So yeah. there's there's two things here I want to talk about. There's one, you know, how can how does that happen? What are some growth hacks that you have that you you can suggest? And then the other one is growth is so awesome, but it can also be very overwhelming if you're not prepared for it. So what are some, you know, tips or strategies that can help you with managing growth? But let's first start start with, you know, how do you how do you get to be a business that doubles in growth each year? Yeah, so growth is, you know, everyone wants to talk about growth and it's sexy. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, the initial, the initial push of growth is not tremendously hard to do. I mean, you can group on or Valpac or, you know, create a, you know, a promotion that will get you a, an initial surge in client engagements, in transactions and in sales. So the initial push of growth is not tremendously hard. It's the second, third, and fourth act. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sustain it, sustaining it. So one of the things that we talked about, so the first one of the things I talked about early was where I leveraged the complaints. So 
Um, what we, what I would suggest somebody does now is figure out what the top five complaints are in your industry and then, um, use, take those complaints, which ones of them can you solve? And then you create different levels of service, levels of membership and subscription services. Um, not, sorry. So not everyone's going to be able to do a subscription service, but you have different levels of engagement. So just think bronze, silver, gold, walk, run, fly, you know, um, emerald, titanium, platinum, whatever. Right. Um, and if you can solve one of those industry complaints, that's your bronze upsell. If you can solve two to three of those complaints, then that's your silver upsell. Four to five, that's your gold upsell. And basically what we're saying is, is that you're giving higher and higher levels of, uh, higher and higher levels of service. So, um, you know, I can, I can, buy a, an economy ticket on a plane and just get the seat or I could pay a little bit more and I can get like the ambassadors club and priority booking, um, or priority seating, right? Uh, sorry, on uh, boarding, uh, you know, so I can, it, I, I can solve a few problems and I can create a, I can bundle some services around different packages. And so when, but what you, what I a quick growth hack is take five complaints and create the different levels but make sure that you've got what I would call an obnoxious offer. That is your Mac Daddy, <laughs> all-inclusive, big enchilada, you know, no sissies allowed. Right. Um, you know, premium VIP white glove concierge type service. And you and that is a Uber ultra high priced option. You know, and so by having that, your uh, your buyer will judge your quality of your service based on price. That's typically the way they do it. If you're a cheaper price, they're going to assume you're a cheaper value, a cheaper, uh, uh, sorry, quality. And so you want a higher price, so you're, so you're the perception of your quality is higher. And, um, and so, the, um, so I would suggest that you do that right away, create this ridiculous, obnoxious offer that you can deliver on because some people actually actually want it and then, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, promote that package as an option, as a way people can engage with you. That's a very quick way to go um, because it'll establish you as a as an expert in your field. And can this be? Can you apply this to any type of industry? Yep, All right. we've done it in every industry out there. There are some industries that are more regulated than others. Um, but we've done this with real estate. We've done this with, uh, lending companies. We've done this with insurance companies. You know, you have to look at what the regulations are, but I would suspect most of the people listening to your podcast, you know, are not in big pharma, you know, and in large scale, you know, fortune 500. So where there'll be more, a bit more, uh, restrictions to what they can do. But for the most part, if you have an entrepreneurial, independently owned company, you can distinguish yourself and have a higher level of service option. Remember, it's an option. Not everybody has to take you up on the option. Right. But it's it, so you just you offer it. They say yes or no to it. So that's, you know, as long as you're offering it is the key. Not everyone has to buy it, but you have to offer it. I love that. I think that's so great. How, what is the best way to get those top five complaints? Um, so you could get those complaints by listening to what the objections are when you go out and sell your product, mm -hmm. right? So you go and you meet with a client or they come into your store or it's a, it's an online chat or, you know, or they get, they give you a review, just read those. And someone will say, oh, they're like every other company like this. <laughs> I call and there's no, I don't know what 24 means, but it doesn't mean 24 hours. Yeah. There's your first one. Right. All right. Um, you know, I, they told me to, uh, you know, try to redeem this coupon and I couldn't, I hate companies like this. They tell me one thing, they do another. There's number two. Right. Um, you know, um, I bought the express ticket and they said I wouldn't have to wait online. I got there, bought the express ticket. What do you know? Had to wait online. So you take, you take those, you take the complaints that you'd hear in reviews or objections and you make a list. So an, an, a very common example I use is when Netflix first started mm -hmm. and their business model was just mail order DVDs. 
And their competition at the time was Blockbuster. And so Netflix just said, we hear you. Your top complaints are you don't like driving to the store and you don't like driving back. Those are two. One is you don't like paying late fees. Three is it, you, uh, the local store will run out of titles. And five is there'll be penalties if you don't rewind, if you don't back on time, whatever. This is all. So here's what here's what we say. All we ask is that you put your credit card on file so you could pay for whatever you use and you walk back and forth to your mailbox. If you're okay with that, you know, come with us. If you still want to go to the store, go to them. And they and they clean Blockbuster's clock because the reality is, is that if you have a business, if you have a business that is not a bucket list item business, like you don't sell Teslas and you don't sell Rolex and you don't sell European vacations and, um, you know, houses on the beach, then more then then you're like the rest of us. And customers, um, if they feel it's a a product they have to buy, not that they get to buy a product or service they have to buy, then their first thought is that they go to the negatives of dealing with you, not the positives. And so you need to handle the negatives first. Problem is most businesses think most businesses when they do their strategic planning and when they uh, put everything down on their website, they stick to the positives and the average consumer doesn't believe what they're writing. Right. What's been written. They, oh, you're the best. Yeah. Doubt it. Oh, we guarantee everything. Probably not. Uh, we'll be there first. No, you won't. Right. Everyone promises that nobody does it. Yeah. R- rather than saying, I, Hey, listen, we understand if you're on our site, that's because you are sick and tired of this, this, and this. We promise that will never happen to you. And if you're interested in that, click the titanium button. We're going to show you how to how we will guarantee the results or all of your money back. And we'll kick in some cash for you to to find your next provider because we failed you. Right. You know what I mean? Now you're talking. Yeah. Well, and you're engaging and actually listening and, and understanding what it is that they're upset with, which, you know, every all of us as humans, that's what we love. We want to we want to know that what we're concerned about is being recognized and addressed. And it immediately makes that, you know, makes you feel more connected to whatever yeah, that brand exactly. is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, do you have another do you have another growth hack for us? Sure. Um, right. Yeah. So we could. um yeah, so the so that's one is your pricing and your positioning. Another, I mean, there's a number that you could do here, where you could start a couple of ways that you can um, a couple of ways that you can get off to a quick start is what's called borrowed credibility. And so when I first wanted to become a coach, I didn't, I had no brand, I had no name. It was just me, and the coaching industry was brand was very very young, brand new, and and so. I aligned with celebrity companies. So I became a Tony Robbins coach. I got certified in Ken Blanchard's situational leadership and uh, Stephen Covey's, uh, you know, Franklin Covey planning system and, um, you know, uh, the Adiza's methodology. And so I aligned with all very well-known people and well-known products in the marketplace and so nobody cared about me in the beginning. They just cared about uh, they 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 you know they knew by working with me they were getting these methodologies that they otherwise you know uh, couldn't access. And so um, you know so the so that's one very quick way is if you don't have a brand align with another established brand. Um, and you know that that was that's a very quick way. To, you know, if you're if you're thinking you're going to have a certain product, you know, align with another product first. Um, you guys are I'm sure you're, you've heard of Tommy Bahama. Yes. You know, the the, you know, lifestyle apparel brand. Well, when they first started, their brand did not do well at all. Um, they, they had a lot of trouble getting out of the gate. So what they did was they did private label uh, manufacturing for other brands, you know. So um, they. uh you know, so they aligned with other companies. They built a couple million dollar business, which got them the uh, the cash to grow the and launch the Tommy Bahama brand. You know, um, Damon John from Shark Tank was famous because he, you know, is famous for sending LL Cool J his uh, apparel and said, "Hey, would you 
you know, would you wear this on tour? You know, Sarah Blakely from Spanx sent her Spanx into Oprah Winfrey and Oprah listed it as one of her favorite, um, you know, one of her favorite uh, products and it took off. So a line, a, a quick way to get out of the gate is borrowed credibility or a celebrity endorsement. No, I couldn't agree more. And I talk about this often on the show is like you said, with um, Sarah sending in her Spanx to Oprah, it's it's real. It's putting out some sort of whether it's a gift or something of value to these people that you want to align with instead of asking them for something and giving them something to get them. Oh, wow, this is really cool. And then they start to take notice. Um, and I feel like I think that's it's brilliant with with aligning yourself with, I mean, it's, it's always, I've never seen it not work for somebody. It's, it's such a great tip. Um, so I want to talk about now businesses and, and teams together, and you've worked with a lot of companies and, and teams. And I'm wondering if you have advice in when it comes, when it comes to growth, keeping the team all on the same page, all excited about the same mission and goal. Yeah. So it's, um, it's never become more important than it is now to make sure that your team is aligned and, and you, um, and not only do they need to be aligned, um, and not only do they need to be aligned, they have to really believe in, how you're doing what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing. Those are the big differentiators today. So if I, you know, what you do is a commodity, you know, every it's uh, there's so many other people that are out there doing it. Um, and, you know, somewhere in the world, somebody can knock off your product, do it just as quickly as you can, just as efficiently. Right. That's the, ta- that's the tangible side. So you differentiate on the how and the why. And um, so what we do is what we like to do is, do what we would call your core principles or your guiding principles and write down what what are the principles and what are the values that this company is going to be driven by and will live by. And then you recruit to the alignment of the values. And so you so one of the ways you keep people aligned is you start out aligned. So let's say, you know, let's say one of your core values is community service. OK, so you're big on giving back. Well, if you have a bunch of selfish people that you've hired mm-hmm. and you want to make sure you're aligned around community service, that's just not going to play. Uh, however, if, you know, if when you hire somebody and they are also community minded, they like to give back, you're, it's going to be very easy for them to stay aligned uh, with the service. Uh, sorry, with your, with your principles. And so you start out and what we use as a, uh, as a guide is you take, you list all the core principles Everything that's important to the company, right? Everything that's really important to you, and then when you go to hire somebody, you have that list on a checklist, and you and you uh, and you rank where are they now on a scale of one to ten, one being low, ten being high. And then the next column says, what could we coach them up to? So let's say um, I remember we hired somebody years ago who came from a very rough business environment, um, you know, where the culture wasn't great. And, um, and she wasn't tremendously professional. And so that was very important to us. And so we wrote down professionalism. She was like a six, but we thought we could coach her, you know, once she's in our environment and we can train her and coach her, would she, um, would she, uh, increase? And we thought, and we thought, yeah, we thought she could be an eight or above. And so we hired her. So if you meet somebody and they're at least a six and you think you could coach them to at least an eight or above, then you would hire that person, and and so, um, and so you uh, uh, that way you know that everybody's either aligned or on their way to being aligned, right? Because of uh, be, you know because of what the standards you established, and then you set up the activities within the company to um, you know that push these guiding principles. So in other words. You have if if um, you you put it right on the calendar, you train around it, you have events around it, and you have participation around it. So if it's you know being being cutting edge or you know or being experts in the industry, well then you have training and other activities that make sure that you remain 
um, you remain that and you then and you build it into their compensation plan. So if they if however much they align with the uh, core values, that's you know, they can be rewarded. They, they, they can be rewarded in their compensation by that. Right. Exactly. No, I love that. I think that's so great. And I think it's so important, especially as you're growing, to, like you said, to make sure. But if you can, ideally, you would start with with a team that is that is in alignment with it, with the company mission and, and principles. But even more on on growth, when some companies, it's an awesome thing when you start to grow pretty rapidly, how how do you keep up with that? What are what are some tips that you have to keep up with that and to keep up with some team overwhelm because sometimes what we've experienced is you know there's that little bit of a of a bottleneck where it's like okay we're going to get through this and then it's going to be okay but kind of everybody's stretched you know to their until yeah. until you get more people to help or until you can figure it out you know it's it can be it, you experience growing pains how do you what are some things that you can do to make it as as you know, smooth as a transition as you grow as possible. So it's um yeah, that's the that is you you've asked the probably one of the <laughs> hardest questions that any manager ever deals with. Oh, is I'm like, sure, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So which is all good. I like it. Um, <laughs> I'm challenging you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so there's a few different ways to answer that, and one of them is um, you. When you go to work every single day and you're growing your business, you're not only spending the time with the people and you're working each and every day, you're also creating systems and you're tracking and you're creating data. And you want to find out how long does it take a certain activity? Um, you know, how long does it take to get to the next activity? Um, you know, what is our success rate? What's our quality measurement? You want to measure just about everything. Now, you don't have to put the burden on the employees for that, but if you're the managers, you want to measure everything and you want ratios that tell you, here's what it, you know, if we send out this many postcards, this is how many returns we get. And when we go out and do a company picnic, here's how many hours it takes for us to plan it, how many hours or how long it takes for us to get there and back. So you can start making better decisions. And so over time, the data, the numbers, the, the history of the company will help you make better and better decisions. And so the um, and so um, I, I like the idea of tracking things as we go so that you um, you have ratios that will tell you when is the right time to scale up. And here's a perfect one. Revenue per employee per year. Right? So if you have a $500,000 company and you have say five employees, you get $100,000 Per revenue per employee per year, right? And let's say at five hundred thousand and five employees, you're pretty profitable. And so that's kind of the groove: hundred thousand of revenue per employee per year. Okay. Yeah. And then you get up to six hundred thousand. You have five employees now. Now you're doing six hundred thousand, and you would think, well, that's pretty good. We're doing a lot more. But everybody's stressed out. Everybody's tired, overwhelmed, overworked. They're not seeing their families. They're driving. Everyone's going crazy. And so you say, wait a minute, now I have five employees and I'm doing 600,000. That's 120,000 of revenue per employee. That's too much Yeah. because the guys can't, ha they can't handle it. So at what point do they start to get really stressed out and overworked? And then that's the upper limit of that number. I'm not going to ask my team to do more than 110,000 of revenue or so per employee. After that, that's when they start to get really stressed. So when we hit 110, it's time to hire somebody, you know, and then we get our six person. Now we do 110, it's 660, time to hire somebody. So you'll know right, you'll know right when to hire somebody uh, and when you have to scale back. If you get, you know, if you're, you have five employees and now you're doing 200,000, you know, you've got too many employees not being as productive and your profit's going to be hurt. So you find that range Right. So you start to track things and you find the range. Like when the company's really running well, let's look around and let's look at all of our numbers at the time. How many employees? How much revenue are we doing? What's our profit number? What's our conversion rates? How many leads are we generating? This is kind of like nirvana for this size team. So let's know what the ratios are. And when we get too high into the ratio, when the ratio goes too high up, time to hire somebody. So it keeps that balance. Right. And so 
that's really, you know, it's funny. I, I think it's uh, Columbia Sportswear. They have a funny metric. They say uh, um, they, every time they build a building, they put 150 parking spots in the parking lot. And they say when the parking lot's full, they build a new building. Yeah. You know, I mean, everyone, every company's a little different. But they, uh, you know, they say, listen, if we get more than 150 people in a building, not everybody knows each other. The camaraderie is not as good and we don't seem to be as productive. So new building, same size, 150 parking lots. We fill it next time for the next building. And so let the numbers, the numbers are really predictable. They're very consistent and the numbers, they really don't lie. You know, the numbers don't lie all that much. And so you know, so that's a good way to do it to make sure you're tracking properly. And then that will take some of the stress off of you as you grow. Right. Okay. I love that. I love that. And it's so, it's really simple too. Um, so I'd like to know as we start to finish up here, um, what is something that you do every day or would recommend to our listeners each day that contributes to big wins for you? So, um, I've, I've learned now I'm, gosh, this is my 30, uh, 33rd year in business. Um, nice. And I find, uh, thanks. And you know, like I was, I was having this conversation with somebody recently and they say, well, like, how do you feel? Like, are you, are you tired? Are you, are you excited? And, and I'm like, in the last two years, I probably worked more than I've ever worked in any one year, which is hard to believe because I've had some, especially when I had my early businesses, I, I've worked more than I've ever have. And yet I feel as enthusiastic and energized as I ever have. Yeah. And, um, and so for me, I, I, what I found is I, it, if I remind myself, like if I think of myself as a plant and I keep watering me, if you will, um, that, that really helps for me. So what I do is I like to do goal setting. I like to do my end of the year planning. And so I read all of my goals into, uh, my audio recorder on my phone. And, um, I could tell you, it takes about nine minutes, nine minutes long. <laughs> and so at, when I get up in the morning, I, um, when I get up in the morning and I, and I jump in the shower and all that, I play my goals, my incantations, my affirmations, right back to me. So every day uh, when I'm getting ready in the morning, you know, I'm reminding myself of, of everything that I'm trying to accomplish, why I'm trying to accomplish it, why it's important to me, what I'm going to, uh, you know, what my plan is to do about it and what I, what I see as my ultimate, my ultimate vision. So um, I do that each and every morning. If it totally fires me up. Um, and for that day, like I really feel like I hit the ground running. And then as far as planning is concerned, um, I like to look as far ahead as possible. I've I've done a plan where I've written out what do I want to do each decade of my life? Wow. And then what do I want? Yeah, so I've got my plan all the way up to 150 years old. Nice. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you know. I'm a little more active now than when I hit 120, but hey, let's all keep you posted. You know? Yeah, I like uh, it. <laughs> so I've got that, and then um, and then each year I I rewrite my bucket list, I rewrite my my roles, my goals, my milestones, and then each week I review that plan and say, all right, what is this week going to be all about? What role am I going to? Um, what role am I going to develop this week, or and am I going to work on? And then what are the specific activities? And I put everything right on my calendar as a recurring appointment. So down to the vitamins I take, like when I take my vitamins, when I drink my smoothie. So I use my, I use technology as my personal assistant and man, the recurring calendar appointment has been a lifesaver. Oh, I bet. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Um, I have done that with, there's a lot of things I've done that with that I have on my calendar and it's just blocked out because this is what I need to do, things like that. But I haven't done the vitamins. I should do that. <laughs> well, my, you know, it's my, and my team, it, it's, so there's a, a level of transparency that comes with it that can also be funny, you know, so I'll go into the office or I'll get on a call and they'll, and I'll say, oh, so did you take your vitamins today? <laughs> oh, did you do this? How was your smoothie? And that, you know, so 
<laughs> you know, you got to deal with a little bit of uh, intrusion of your privacy, but you know, it's it's all good. It's uh, the trade off is fine, and you know, you, you got to be willing to take a few jokes come your way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> now and again, I get teased uh, for all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Love it. Oh my gosh, this has been so awesome. I've been um, taking notes here while while I'm listening to you because it's just such fantastic advice and I'm so excited for this to get written up into our blog and for our listeners to hear this. Um, but I want to make sure that they can find more information on you after the interview. I know we've got links to your social media, your LinkedIn and, and all that good stuff, but is there um, a website that you can direct us to as well? So yeah, you could go to carlgould.com. You can learn a little bit about more about me there. And also, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, sevenstageadvisors.com. Um, and, uh, you know, there's more, there's more that you can learn from me there. My books are there. Um, but also, I have a gift for your audience. Uh, we do something called the free business analysis. Oh. Uh, it's something, yeah, it's something we typically um, charge for. Actually, we charge $1,500 for it. But oh, wow. anyone who... Anyone who comes to one of our presentations or listens to your podcast, if they just go to uh, the contact us page and just type in business analysis right in there, um, email our team and and we set up we set aside up to two hours. It's a full on consultation and we will we'll take you through this four page workbook and in the end we'll give you five growth ideas for your business. So anyone who wants to take us up on it, Carl that Gould. is fantastic. Go Thank get you it. so yeah, much. That is, that's huge. That's incredible. That's a, a free $15,000 gift. That's amazing. Thank you yeah. so much. Well, we'll make sure that we have that all written up too. Links to that and all of that. That is so, so generous of you. Thank you so much, Carl. And uh, thank you so much for being with me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests. 